0: to the Direct Examination Podcast. My name is Amber Fulmer. I'm Dane
1: Phillips. And I'm Joseph Bias.
0: This week's guest is the founder and senior partner of Bell Legal Group in Georgetown, where he has distinguished himself as one of the state's top plaintiff complex litigators in auto torts and auto safety cases. Perhaps just as notably, he is the president of the Charleston School of Law, a role he has had since October of 2015. So please help us welcome to the Direct Examination podcast, Mr. Ed Bell.
1: Mr. Bell, thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you very you. much. Glad to be here. I want to kind of back up and talk about your history with the Charleston School of Law. So, all three of the uh, co-hosts of this podcast, we went to, we graduated from the other school, um, and when you took over, there was a lot of turbulence going on at the school at the time. And at some point, you had to make a decision that you raised your head and you wanted to get involved with it. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you know, What happened when you took over Charleston? Why did you want to do that?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I went to that same school you went to. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I love University of South Carolina. Uh, that's where I got my training, and, and I value that training a lot. But I missed something from the University of South Carolina that I have found here, and maybe we'll discuss it later. But um, I was always interested in Charleston School of Law because they had this unique projection of this public service component along with a little bit more of a a practice-ready component when Mm -hmm. students would get out of school. So I have, uh, over the years, uh, adopted uh, 20-something kids that we have helped to get through college And most of them, I know one went to culinary school after college, but most of those kids have gone on to law school. And so we've done this locally and some nationwide and some in other countries. And one of our our last adopted kids, I talked into coming to law school here. And it was in her last part of her senior year when the turbulence began. Right. And uh, so... That worried me a little bit, and I didn't know what I could do. And quite frankly, uh, I got a call one day and asked, "Would I be interested in belonging to a group that would, that would maybe help save the school?" I certainly said yes. And a little bit later, I heard back and I said, "Well, how many do you have?" And they said, "Well, you're the only one." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't know what captured me. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. I was. Lots and lots of meetings with the former owners and and the promise that this school had versus what they were going through was exciting to me. But it also was exciting that maybe um, I could be a part of this new idea of how to train new law students, how to train these kids, as I call them, to get out of law school and be willing to help publicly in their community. Right. But also be willing to to have a, a better concept of what public service does to your clients and how that helps them. So that's kind of what got me interested. Well, and
3: I, I hope uh, I'm able to be okay, part of the connection's okay, but I have a, an interesting perspective because I
1: I actually transferred from Charleston. That's true. Yeah, I, I forgot
3: here. about that. And I have nothing but great things to say about this school uh, other than... It's a little bit cheaper uh, to go to a state public school and that my wife and the firm that I was working at uh, was in Columbia. But as far as the level of education, the professors, uh, the atmosphere, uh, I have nothing but great things to say about Charleston. My experience there was amazing and something that, you know, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to see both schools and I've told many people that there is no difference in the law students between the schools, at least when I was there. Uh, that you know, I would have put the best and brightest at Charleston against the best and brightest at uh, USC any day. Uh, you know, many people could disagree, but
2: my experience there was extremely positive. Well, thank you very much. I think that um, most people. It's amazing. I'm I'm eating dinner tonight with a lawyer out of Ohio who hired a student from this school. They fell in love, and they're getting married. But he, he's down here today to interview. He has two open positions. They've been so impressed with the, the different training and, and characteristics that our students have. And they have a, a national law firm, and they are now uh, looking to us to help supply a lot of their... their uh, they're looking to us to help supply a lot of their attorneys. So thank you for that nice comment.
1: We, When we were setting up this interview, one of the things that interests us um, about the law school, one of the things that I think distinguishes this school from um, the one up state a little bit uh, is the pro bono popular uh, thing that you guys have here. Can you talk to us a little bit about what the law school does for the community, what the expectations are for the students uh, when it comes to um, doing work, you know, pro bono work and working in the community?
2: You know, I was not aware of the extent that this school has enmeshed itself in the community. Uh, We have students at the Medical University of South Carolina, we have students at Boeing that work in their general counsel's office that are learning uh, all kinds of things about patent law and about uh, intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have students that get called in the middle of the night to go work up a will of somebody at the medical school that's, mm-hmm. that's facing some life-threatening surgery. Uh, we have people working that are interested in software at it blackballed. The, the community of Charleston has more to offer than anywhere else in South Carolina, at least. And so our students are getting the benefit of all of this that's going on here in our state, but it's all right here in Charleston. If I were to say to anybody, why would you come to Charleston? Well, there's no opportunity like this anywhere else. Charleston's the number one city in, in our country, but we pride ourselves in, in our pro bono work Uh I have a little note here that says in the 2019 class, uh, they've completed 10,582 hours of pro bono work in the community.
0: Wow, oh, that's amazing.
2: And over a period of our school, we've given almost 500,000 pro bono hours. So you can imagine the helping hands, the the charities, the different places that we work, they couldn't afford to exist without our students showing up every day. And that also
1: goes right. to what you were saying earlier as far as the having practical um, you know impact on not only the community but also the students where they're not coming out of school and being completely ignorant of what right. you know what to do in their chosen uh, field. you know but Joseph, I mean, a couple of, <laughs> yeah right. a
2: couple years ago, uh, you may remember Charleston had this huge homeless population and right. and most of the homeless folks lived under the bridge, under the big Ravenel Bridge. Right. Well, our students gathered together and helped the 180 uh, 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 charity, and all of those homeless people are now gone. When I say gone, they've gone to live at a home, and our mm-hmm. students helped do that. I talked to lawyers who have now who helped on that project. They said, you know, I, I was never raised to go help somebody like that right Mm -hmm. so i think that it's a great education
0: didn't they um and maybe this is another part of the charleston bar were they instrumental in helping get the homeless courts oh
2: absolutely yes yes and and so i mean these i don't know what it is about charleston and i think that the the law school with charleston but the the idea of helping people it's just second nature, mm-hmm. and so when when, lawyer, when lawyers leave this law school after graduating, they leave with something that I never would have gotten at South Carolina, and I, I'm not saying that with anything wrong with South Carolina, We, but this is most of the schools, most of the law schools, no one that I've seen yet, nowhere that I've seen yet has this kind of uh, vast pro-bono work that We don't have to force our students to do it. They love it. Well, with this severe,
3: I mean, nobody would argue that there's a significant access to justice problem in South Carolina, especially considering the socioeconomic levels of the rural counties. And when you look at our neighboring states of North Carolina and Florida, the amount of law schools and law students uh, to have only two law schools in our state, of a population of about say five million people or four and a half. Um, I, I've never understood the fight against uh, you know having an additional school considering the access to justice problems
2: that we that we currently are facing. You know it's a very good question because uh, <clears throat> we we have so many people here but the the fact of the matter is <clears throat> the bar is a little bit jealous about bringing in too many lawyers. They, right. once, right. they, I hate to say it, but they like our school because we have so many out-of-state students coming in, and a lot of them stay, but a lot of them go home. And so <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, they, this is funny, but, you know, everybody always asks, oh, how many are you graduating, or how much competition will we that's have? Right. Well, <laughs> I, I have
1: to pick on you a little bit, uh, Mr. Bell, because I saw your bio, you're a Wofford grad. I am. And I know. you know, I have my uh, folder here. You went to I went to Walford as well, so you know, I'm just saying we could have had the Walford Law School. Just something in the future, if you want to think about. Uh, if we, well, if you're, I
2: think we need to rename it now. There we go. All right. Go. So this is the impact so of this I, podcast. I, I, well, well, you and I will go to Walford. Right. To cut a deal. Okay, we'll cut a deal. We'll call it the Walford School of Law, located in Charleston. You know what? We can just go ahead and shut down this podcast. That's all I needed from uh, today.
0: (laughs) You know, Joseph, they should start paying you. You're an excellent (laughs) ambassador for Walford. You know what? Hey,
2: I'm just giving back. You know something special about that school? It is. And it's something that I want to continue to bring to this school. And uh, Walford does have this unique. I was the last class that had all boys. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. And so when we heard this was the end of the Vietnam War, Mm -hmm. the school – population started dropping and then they said well we better bring in some girls (laughs) yeah open up from Congress that's right that's right well I know one
1: of your goals with Charleston oh oh, excuse me the Wofford Law School located in Charleston (laughs) is you wanted to turn the school to a non-profit institution how is that coming and can you tell us why that was important
2: well I think it's extremely important um think about this think if you are sitting in a boardroom you're looking at finances, and you've got a little money in the bank, you've got to decide, do you distribute that to the owners or do you put it back in the students? And it's only human nature, but if you have a nonprofit, that question never comes up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why uh, we haven't had any uh, profit distribution since I've j- joined this school. I still make, I really got a raise. I went for $1. twenty a year. They couldn't figure out how to divide 12 into a dollar. I was going to ask you <laughs> about that. <All> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's no better
1: example for a school who wants to promote pro bono work than if your president yeah. works for, $1. $1 for $1. a dollar. A dollar 20. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> I like it. Um, what are some plans that you have for the Charleston School of Law, or pardon me, Wofford? Satellite school <laughs> of law, as far the as the
2: law school of law located in, in Charleston. Charleston, right? Let's get the neighbors. <laughs>
0: That's expansion. Wait, wait,
2: wait! I'm getting a call from Furman right now. <laughs>
0: Competition,
2: <laughs>
0: but what are some plans that y'all might have for expansion down here or for the facilities?
2: This is a great question. This morning, I had a meeting with two interns I hired for this summer and their sole job is to develop a program for outreach to foreign students around the world for our master's in maritime law. Now, we've, we've restructured the maritime program a little bit to modernize it to where maritime students are getting a master's in law. They will learn international business, international business transactions. And while they're learning the law of the sea, we still have a lot of business that goes in between the, the countries. So these students had to be in touch with the FBI, the State Department, because I wanted to reach out to all of the countries of the world and find Mm -hmm. out who would be interested in partnering with us and having exchange programs, things like this. So this morning we discussed, can we send a letter to Kim (laughs) Jong-un over over North Korea? (laughs) I mean, so these, these two students that are doing it, they're doing a great job, and they were saying they aren't sure we can do that, and I said, well, we can send the letter, but it would be hard for them to get visas to yeah. come over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> After the
2: letter, don't know That's what to do. That's right. Yeah. And then I was thinking that maybe Iran might need to learn a little bit of the law of the sea so mm-hmm. <laughs> they wouldn't be attacking all, of our, <laughs> all, all the, the British vessels <laughs> and things like that. So we're, we've I learned today that there are programs in a lot of countries around the world It's called USA Education Today or something. And our government has a little location, an outpost, if you will, that in certain countries, they, they help to promote U.S., United States colleges, Mm -hmm. and so we're expanding our program here to expand to law schools around the, around the world, and, uh, we've had one, uh, student, we just started it, from Kenya, who has now contacted us about a master's program, and, uh, so we're excited about what we're doing, uh. Charleston's a great place to have international students, sure. Mm-hmm. and we'll also be able to um, do some online learning and things like that. So
0: Will the master's program still be the three years of law school or is it like three plus one?
2: It's three plus one. Okay. So you can get your master's uh, which is an additional degree over and above your L, your JD.
1: You obviously have the uh, benefit of being located in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Mm-hmm. I know that when Dane went here, when I was looking at uh, going here, um, you know, you guys were just kind of getting started and just figuring out, almost like trying to figure out where in the city you can get located as far as your facilities and. I'm looking at a permanent campus what are your plans for this school for any of the students listening who are students considering law school what are your plans as far as the facilities for this school a
2: a good bit of my time is spent on trying to get our permanent campus in order okay Mm -hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of people uh, interested in helping us with that we're right now in talks with maybe three different groups we want to stay on the peninsula we to stay downtown Mm -hmm. we want to make sure we stay immersed with the local community Um, some of our students are, are go to church here. They they work downtown. They work at the local uh, soup kitchen. They they work in some of the local charities. But a lot of our externships are right here down downtown, right. and you get the flavor of Charleston. You you still can go get your shrimp and grits right back down the street, <laughs> or you be right, right around <laughs> town, or you can go down and get a, uh, some Thai food or something. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, College of Charleston, which is a great college. I can't say too many nice things about the College of Charleston. Maybe they should be named Walford. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. We're taking over so, everything. That's, that's right, going to be great. Right. Walford at the College of Charleston. I, I love the
1: way you think so. There you go. <laughs> um, so, you obviously have a, a a very successful career as a litigator as well. And you started up your own firm that kind of enabled you to be involved with Charleston. Uh, you know, I'm curious. What do you consider as the key, as the key to a successful practice?
2: you know I't I, I, I can't ever underestimate the value of, of hard work and perseverance. Uh, I had a professor at, at our favorite school, the University of South Carolina that kept telling us whoever works the hardest has the best chance of winning. And I've always taken that to heart and believe that uh, hard work is important. But you can't work at anything hard unless you love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't enjoy a book and read a lot if you don't love the book. So you've got to find the kind of work you love. And once you fall in love with that work, it's really not work. I I get up every morning. I can't wait to get to work. I've never said, i got to go to work today. So it's just... I think you have to really fall in love with
0: it. That is great advice. Yes, yeah, great advice. We aspire to that. <laughs> aspire.
2: Aspirations are good. Exactly.
0: Well, one thing I want to ask is for any potential law students that may be listening, because we do have a, a large base of law students who listen to this podcast or lawyers within the community, pitch this law school to students that may be looking down here. This They may be listening to this podcast, wondering if they want to come to the Charleston School of Law. What do you believe are some of the biggest sales and why this would be a great school for them to come to?
2: Unless you were in a a large city like New York or somewhere like that, you can't find the diversity of businesses, the diversity of people that you find here in Charleston. Charleston is a separate country (laughs) in South Carolina. That is true. And if you are a student it's looking at law schools and the two in South Carolina, but with due respect to our friends in Columbia, they're going to get a good education, don't get me wrong, but they're not going to get the kind of exposure that you can get down here in Charleston. I mean, how many times can you learn intellectual property by watching them invent a, a nut and a screw that's getting ready to go on a brand new airplane? How many times can you watch the medical university develop a disease fighting drug, that you're actually in the in the lab helping them figure things out, and you're a law student that might be interested in health care. I mean, this is an unbelievable um, laboratory that you as a law student have available to you that you have nowhere else.
1: One of the uh, things that we've been told, uh, yeah, you apparently pretty good at being a plaintiff's attorney and pretty good at saving law schools. <laughs> But apparently, you're also pretty good at cooking. Um, so we have to ask because we like to ask silly questions on the show. If you are, if you're getting the call from the Food Network, or if students are trying to bother you and say, "Hey, we need one of these meals," what are you putting forward? What's your entry? What's your cooking, uh, you know, specialty?
0: I would just like to say. There's a pregnant woman on this podcast, yeah. and that is not a silly question. I'm very interested in all the food you want
2: to talk about. Yeah, we can just make this a food podcast. We can cut all the lost stuff Yes, if we can. Want. <laughs>
0: I'm totally fine with
2: that. You know, um, I don't know why I got interested in food, but every year the students have an annual auction to raise money for some of the things here at the school, some of the student programs. And one of the hottest items, which I can't claim credit for, is our, our cooking lessons with the president mm-hmm. and the last three years they've had the highest bid of anything else at the auction oh so, wow so these students uh, they pick a day and they come over to my home in georgetown and they spend the day and we have cooking lessons and mm-hmm. so it's lots of fun we make them come over on an uber so they can drive home <laughs> safely <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <they're> <laughs> back, get back okay we have had planning. a pregnant woman there so she, <laughs> she was unable to drink the wine yeah. but uh I'd be your DD. but we, we, <laughs> we have some fun i i've, I've loved, i kind of like to develop recipes and and so it's fun to do that and uh well, anything
0: you're last, known for I'd say last year
1: i'm not sure
2: i'm go. known for anything actually uh, <laughs> Fair enough. uh in my own mind maybe but uh but the uh, the first cooking competition i entered i was i was asked to do it uh and it was a it was myself and another another guy were the, the team. And I was the chef and he was going to be the, the wine host. And the night before the deadline for entering our, our menu, he called up and said, Ed, the menu's due tomorrow morning at nine. So I stayed up at about three in the morning writing this menu. Well I wrote Beluga Caviar, which I didn't know was illegal to import in the United States. <laughs> And I wrote a, a entree, which was 4 stuffed pheasant breast, and so I did write some tough things in there. Uh, sure. So yeah. I had to figure out how to get the beluga in the United States. I can't tell you how I did that. <laughs> I don't think, think statue limitations. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I run. yet. but um, never divulge. But I, I struggled on this on the pheasant breast, and I had had an experience with this at a Ritz Carlton, and had fallen in love with this dish i figured i could figure that out and i could not get it done i figured it worked and worked and my wife finally just said i'm not gonna eat another piece of pheasant i cannot, <laughs> I cannot taste another one Time and so we were down in disney world and, and this was the week before the competition i was just going crazy because i didn't know what to do i contacted the chef at the ritz carlton and told him about my experience uh, at another uh, one of their hotels and he invited me down to the kitchen, and I went through the process. He said, "Well, have you tried it this way?" And it was the magic bullet. Yeah. <laughs> it, it turned it around, and we won the competition. But uh, had it Wonderful. not been for that Ritz Carlton chef, I'd have been lost.
1: That's so, awesome. So what what he's saying is that next time that we do this, right. we'll have it at your house. And uh, we'll... well, I was
2: going to say we have the Excellent. new cooking class coming up end of this month, end of August. Okay. So, y'all ought to come over and we'll, enjoy the um We'll be back. Enjoy the meal. Mm.
1: <laughs> I'm sure, Amber, you're not going to talk that down, are
0: you? I, unless the doctor puts me on a travel restriction. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there. I will ride make, in the back seat with my feet propped up so there will be no swelling.
1: <laughs> Dane, what would you say? I'll
3: make sure to have the order of protection.
1: <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Dane, you want to tell our guests about uh, war stories? So sure.
3: In our first season, we did, uh, cross-examination at the end of the show. We kind of felt you with a couple of questions, uh, since the name of the podcast is direct examination. But like all good things, we've evolved and progressed into war stories. Uh, if there's any, it doesn't have to be law related, but it obviously you have had a quite distinguished legal career. Uh, but it could be even something related to the law school as well as being president. Uh, we got law school. But what's one particular uh, story or case that st- you know, stands out in your mind that um, you think would be uh, relevant for either young law students or just our listeners in general, people who are interested in the
2: legal profession? Well, I, I've got a bunch of stories that are fun. Um, I was teaching a class early today and was telling them the story about my representing the owner. Of a circus, Ooh, who was up. charged with kidnapping and violation of the Peonage Act, which is the anti-slavery act. Oh, wow. and it was tried up in Pittsburgh, and I had all all of my witnesses were members of this circus. <laughs> and I had like the the bearded lady, and the um and the li- lizard man. This is the sure. I love where this is going. Yeah, this and, is all, <laughs> And you. you And you can imagine my fear of calling these people as witnesses because they were the oddballs of society, and they had made a family at this circus, and they were selling their oddness, if you will, to to the public. And so it was that kind of story I was telling the the class, because they were asking me, how do you get ready for different kinds of cases? Right. And so we had the man who, you know, stick the needles through his arm and, (laughs) and the... And the the strong man and the and the uh, things like that, and so r- you have to remember that people believe in authenticity. So as we entered into that courtroom in Pittsburgh in federal district court with Judge Diamond, uh, about twenty of my circus witnesses came in <laughs> dressed to the circus tilt, I would and that, they I stayed in costume the entire trial. In my and, head, that's what I wanted. It to and, be. So, I I'm so so happy. I know, and <laughs> and they testified, and they were authentic, and they talked about their unique uh, individuality, but they brought it to where the jury believed them. Sure. They understood it, and so it taught me that we shouldn't be afraid of people's oddness. We ought to embrace that. So we we won the case, and. Uh, okay. Uh, I still remember the bearded lady. She <laughs> wanted to give me a kiss. <laughs> That's a great story.
1: That's one of the better ones we've had. Mr. Um, Bell, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, I've been texting uh, some of my friends and letting them know that you were going to be on the podcast. I've had more than one of them refer to you as the hero of uh, Soul. So we <laughs> certainly appreciate You mean, uh, you
2: mean Walford? Law school, yeah. right?
1: Wofford. I'm sorry, Wofford Law School of this south, located in Charleston. Does gonna um,
0: correct
1: them now? Yeah, I'll, I'll correct everybody else. And you know, when be you man. look, <laughs> and Amber, Amber and Dane, I think it's important to note as they look for new facilities. You know, having a Charleston studio for the podcast mean you know something yeah. that we could consider. Yeah, well, this is your idea. This, this is perfect. it. Boom, there we go. Perfect. And you could teach during your off time. And it, yeah. I see no downside to any of this. We yeah. get. Cooking lessons and uh, yeah.
2: and we, we could, could
0: give you some personal routers just for something. things. We, we, could, could yeah.
2: we could start a specialty <laughs> in law for broadcasting and publishing.
0: I wow, Hello?
2: I love you know what this, this journalists <laughs> from all over the world come <laughs> to be on this podcast. Oh,
1: well, we certainly seven. appreciate you joining us, Dane. You want to close us out? Yeah, besides you know exclusively
3: reporting in Charleston on Saturdays and Sundays, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <with the>, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> We just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, you really are uh, a savior to the law school that gave me the opportunity, the school that gave me the opportunity to be a lawyer. So it's just a great honor in the sense that, you know, I never forget where you came from and and somebody who transferred from there. Like I said, that school still means a great deal to me. And uh, we're just glad to have you on the podcast to kind of share your experience in coming aboard and uh the growth of that school and kind of and more importantly the future of that school and why students should look to attend that school. I think this state uh is better with two law schools. I think the people of South Carolina are better serve for it, so thank you so much. Well, and uh, thank as you. far as that's concerned, like always invited back. Uh with, would love to uh also interview mm-hmm. you about uh, your, the civil practice maybe at a later time. But thank you again for coming on. And remember to follow uh Mr. Bell and his law firm on Twitter, Facebook, and any other of the social media that they have. Uh I'm pretty sure Joseph can probably provide the specifics since I'm having to call in. But uh obviously you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at SC Pod. Uh, you can follow Joseph on Twitter at Joseph PBS myself, the S.E. Clem Lawyer, and then the notorious Red Judicata Amber make sure to send her your baby name ideas. And again, thank you so much. Give us five stars. Like, share. Again, spread the word.
2: Thank you very much. I enjoyed it.
3: Thank you. (laughs)